Hello, and welcome to the All Things ADHD podcast from Chad's National Resource Center on ADHD. Welcome. I'm your host, Alonda Perez. Today's guest is Kate Barrett, and we will be discussing strategies to help teens and young adults with treatment compliance. Welcome, Kate. Would you tell us more about you? Sure. Thanks for having me today, Alondra. My name is Kate Barrett, and I'm owner of Coaching Seville. I work as an ADHD coach, um, and um, I actually have a few kiddos of myself that uh, that are diagnosed with ADHD. And I like to say they all have different flavors. As we all know, if you've met one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD. I work with students, parents, and adults who have ADHD diagnoses um, or who are helping to manage someone that has an ADHD diagnosis. And I would say my favorite group to work with are my college and young adults. Thank you, Kate. Mm -hmm. I have questions and scenarios that teens and young adults with ADHD might face with treatment. First, what is a treatment plan and what is included for ADHD? Good question. So a treatment plan is individual for each person. So you may need different uh, support persons within a treatment plan. So effectively, the, the purpose of that treatment plan is to help you understand, manage, and move forward with whatever diagnosis you have. So if you have an ADHD diagnosis and no comorbidities, You may need a therapist. If you're on medication, you might need a psychiatrist or um, a physician that can prescribe medication for you. You may have some additional challenges, such as let's say you have a learning disability. So you might need a tutor. They could be a part of your treatment plan. You may have a coach because you're trying to build skills um, where your therapist is helping you with mental health aspects. Often a coach will step in and partner as well on that team to help a child move forward towards goals, such as how do I capture information that I need to hold on to for my class? Or how do I remember to show up to do the thing I need to do? Um, How do I develop habits, healthy habits? Effectively, what I like to say, four pillars of an ADHD treatment plan. So there's education, understanding what does my diagnosis mean mean for me? If I have comorbidities, what do those mean to me? If I'm taking medication, that's another potential pillar. Um, So what what medication am I taking? How do I know if it's working? What am I looking for in a medication as part of my treatment plan? Therapy. Do I understand uh, exactly what my diagnosis means for me and how it impacts my life? Have I worked through the mental health aspects of how that makes me feel, what that impact is on my quality of life? I may have, and then coaching may be another strong pillar. That's become a really rising star, if you will, in terms of the next steps for a treatment plan. Can I build the skills and the self-awareness to take the knowledge and the therapy and my actions and goals that I'm setting and move myself towards the person I want to be. And then underneath all of that, I would say is physical health. So am I eating? Am I sleeping? Am I moving? And that may look different for each of us. You know, moving may be walking, moving may be uh, running marathons, um, and it may be a lot of things in between, but really just understanding how the impact of what I put in my body, what I do with my body, and how I let my body rest 
And all of that plays into how healthy my brain stays for every day, everyday activities and everyday accomplishments. You mentioned medication as a part of treatment. A teen or young adult might think, I don't like how my medication makes me feel. I don't want to take it anymore. What would you advise them? That's a common one. Um, <laughs> I think at some point with every stage of growth, uh, you can you can often expect that your medication might need to be adjusted or changed. Um, with every stage of development, you may need different treatment options. So for example, one type of medication may work for you at some point, and then it may not work anymore, or your level of stress may have gone through the roof and now it's not working as well as it did before. So consulting your provider is the first thing that I often talk through with clients that I'm working with. What information can you provide them in terms of what's not working? What are you expecting to happen? Or if you're getting additional, you know, if you've got um, side effects that have suddenly popped up that you're worried about, your your provider, your prescriber should be that first step in terms of the person that you reach out to and say, hey, I something's not not quite right. Also writing down what it is that you're noticing and observing or not liking is really important because the working memory can only hold so much. And oftentimes we don't remember all the things that are on the, that list. So keeping a tally of the things that you're unhappy with related to medication, whether it's how it makes you feel or that it's not, it's not working, what does that mean for you? And if you don't want to take it anymore, really breaking down, okay, if I'm not on medication, what are the things I want to be able to do and what supports do I need to put in place of what the medication was offering or helping me or what expectations do I need to adjust based on the fact that I'm not on medication anymore? They might also have trouble remembering to take their medication. What would you suggest to help them to remember to take the medication? Uh, that's a big one. Uh, <laughs> So often kids will forget, um, and usually it's not intentional. Sometimes they forget and they're not really forgetting. Um, and that's okay. That's a, that's more or less related to the, I don't want to take it anymore argument. Um, but if you've got someone that's truly forgetting to take the medication, then they need to figure out what kind of system or support can I put in place to help me remember. So it might be alarms that they're setting on their phone or physical alarms. I mean, there's some really interesting alarms out there that you can find. Um, you know, I, I think at one point, my oldest had an alarm that rolled off of his table and away from him. So he had to get out of bed and chase it in the morning. There are alarm apps out there, such as Alarmy, which is an iPhone app, or I Can't Wake Up, which is an Android app. And um, both of those are pretty obnoxious. If you don't comply with the game or the, the activity that you set up that's tied to each of those alarms, it doesn't matter if you turn your phone off or not, the alarm's still going to be going off when you turn it back on. So there's a bit of... Um, I don't know, it's persistence of the alarm, if you will. So if that's something that that you need, that could be really helpful. I know a lot of my teen and college students that I've worked with have said, yeah, I can, I can get around just about every app. The I Can't Wake Up app is one that, that a lot of them have started using um, quite frequently recently, just because it's harder to get out of um, or to not comply with the actual action that they set up. So getting really smart about that 
landing spots and points of performance can become really important for remembering to take that medication. If it's not, um, it's, it's not an issue of, I forgot because my alarm didn't go off, but it's more or less, I forgot because I can't remember where I put my medication or I put it in a different place every day. Then that's when you need to start thinking about where can I put it where I will regularly remind, be able to remind myself more easily. Oh, I got to do that thing before I leave the house. When you're talking about point of performance, I like to refer to that as your personal GPS for getting things done. So if you can set up that environment so that it sets you up for that success, that's that becomes really important. So maybe your habit stacking in the bathroom when you're brushing your teeth. So I brush my teeth. My pill bottle sits right next to it. I open my pill bottle. I have a glass that's always there so I can put some water in it and I can take my medication and, and wash it down with some water. So therefore, you've created an easy compliance method and you've stacked those habits together. Some students, like particularly in college, you may have uh, a human that you can rely on that can be your accountability partner. And so it might be helpful to, to have someone in your life if if you've got someone that that you trust and that's in your inner circle and understands you, that that can actually say, "Hey, Alondra, did you take your medication this morning?" Um, I've seen my own clients and my own children utilize that that skill set or that that strategy themselves with great success when they just and you can tell that person exactly what you want them to say, you know. So, for example, my um, my 21-year-old went through a stage where he didn't want anybody to know he was on medication when he was younger. And so we had a code word for it. Like, hey, to do your thing? And that was the trigger. Oh, yep, I did the thing. Nobody knew what the thing was. Um, so for him, it was an easy way for him to maintain that compliance and remember um, and have someone actually serve as his backup the code word is a great idea, and it sounds like the apps you mentioned can be useful for many reminders, including medication. Another scenario might be, I work or study late, and I don't get up early. On some days, by the time I get up, it's too late to take my medication. And if I take it later in the day, it keeps me up even later. What should I do? So this is a great one. There are several different ways you can approach it, and really depending on what your day or your schedule is like. It might be worth having a conversation again with your doctor and letting them know, hey, sometimes I forget. If I forget, and let's say you're on a long acting stimulant, for example, nobody wants to take that at one o'clock in the afternoon because you're going to be up till 5 a.m. potentially. You know, some might have a short acting on hand just in case. Okay, if I forget my morning dose, I've, I can at least take this one by a certain time of the day and I know it's not going to impact my sleep. One of the things that's really important to address is sleep itself. So if you're waking up late and it's a chronic late entry into the world, then that might be something that you want to address. Now, not every college student, for example, really cares if they sleep till 11, if they don't have classes till 12 or 1. And, and that's okay to create your life that way. That's part of the joy of having the choice. When you go to college, you can co-create or create your own schedule to some extent. But if it's hindering your ability to maintain your treatment plan, it, it might be worth addressing. You know, what is it that's keeping you up so late? Is the fact that you're not managing your time well enough so that you're doing homework till three o'clock in the morning, 
but you really don't want that, that may be something to address. That may be an organizational piece. If you're having trouble falling asleep until three o'clock in the morning and sleeping until 11, that may be something to address related to sleep hygiene. Um, you know, are you setting yourself up at the end of the night for a successful night's sleep? Are you limiting your screen time late at night? And there are so many different avenues you can go down in terms of dealing with that. And then there's also the, the option of setting alarms. If you can wake up from the alarm, setting, your, setting a pre-alarm um, is what I like to call it. So that alarm that wakes you up so that you can roll over, take your medication and roll back over. And then setting a second alarm to actually wake you up at the time you want to get out of bed. There are a lot of young adults that have had success with that strategy alone because getting out of bed for them sometimes is just such a challenge. And that actually keeps them on their medication schedule and helps them activate to get out of bed and start the day. Now, what if I have some friends who use caffeine or marijuana and they say it helps them with their ADHD? I've thought about trying it, but I'm not sure. That's a tough one. Um, so caffeine, I mean, there, there are a lot of adults that utilize caffeine as part of their treatment plan. Um, it's a stimulant, but it's not a long acting stimulant. So it's only going to give you but so much of that alert feeling. Um, you know, I have a dear friend of mine who is an adult with ADHD, and I think she drinks a pot of coffee a day, at least. I think I would never sleep if I had that much caffeine in my system. I'm a little more sensitive to caffeine than she is. That's her mojo. You know, That's how she gets through the day, and she can drink coffee before she goes to bed, and it, there's no impact. So she's got a very different chemistry than, than I might. So there's a little bit of that. I mean, not overdoing caffeine it's something to watch out for. You don't want to ca over caffeinate yourself to the point that you can't fall asleep or you're so hyper reactive or jittery that now you're having side effects from overdosing on caffeine. But I think every once in a while that I think a lot of adults, even those without ADHD will utilize caffeine just to kind of wake yourself up for a, a short moment. You know, it's similar to uh, Thomas Brown's reference to maybe having a lemonade next to you when you're taking an exam or writing a paper, just a little bit of juice, if you will, to, to rev your system up. I do have, you know, I have encountered some clients where caffeine, it's probably the worst stimulant they could ever try. So again, it's individual to your system. Marijuana is a little different. I mean, there's, there is no good data out there that supports marijuana as a treat, part of your treatment plan. Um, and what I find and what I've observed over the years is that the clients that I know that have, have partaken in marijuana use, they're often masking something else. Again, it's another temporary fix. So it's not a great option for some who partake in marijuana. It heightens their anxiety. For some, it brings their anxiety down. Again, it's temporary. You also don't really know what you're getting all the time. I mean, now that it's becoming legal in certain states, it's a little more well-regulated, but the THC content could be different in each plant. So I don't have personal experience with a lot of it on my own end, but marijuana is a depressant. So it's certainly not going to help rev up your brain. It's often going to simply dull that desire or that anxiety or mask the current overwhelm that you're feeling, it's going to be back as soon as that last hit wears off um, or as the THC is out of your system. So it's not something that I advocate 
There are a lot of students, though, that have have utilized it. Um, and some claim that it's something they entertain to bring them down off their medication or to help them sleep. And in those instances, I would often say to a young person, if that's what you need in order to bring yourself back to center, then this is a great opportunity, again, to go back to your prescriber, have that conversation and say, these are the things that I'm encountering And this is the only thing that's helping right now or feels like it's helping. What do I do? And then often if I'm talking to a client and we're having a conversation related to caffeine or marijuana, we're breaking down what is what a result are you looking for? You know, what is what are you what are you really aiming for? And what is the challenge that you're trying to overcome? Because a lot of times that challenge can be overcome without putting either of those into your body. Thank you, Kate. Is there anything you would like to add that will help teens and young adults with their ADHD treatment? I think it's really important to be an active participant in your your treatment plan. I think it's really important to manage all of the pieces of your life as best you can that are free. Um, You know, we all breathe, so we have control over what we breathe in and out. We all need sleep. So that's something that you can actively manage. Um, There are lots of great strategies out there. And I know that um, there are a lot of great resources that can help any of us that are struggling with sleep strategies and things of that nature. Like again, creating that, that bedtime routine that helps our signal to our brain that, hey, it's time to go to bed and protecting ourselves from overstimulating activities towards the evening. And then, you know, are we eating a healthy, balanced diet or are we living on carbs and sugar, which is FYI, not good for anybody. Um, It's particularly not good for an ADHD brain, Um, making sure you're maintaining a balanced diet. It's important for brain health overall, and it's important for your ability to function as you move through the day. And movement becomes really important too. So those are three things that We all do, no matter what stage we are in life, we eat, we sleep, and we move. And figuring out how those can play into your day or into your treatment plan can be really important and also help you manage other aspects of your life to maintain your general and overall health, which if you can maintain your general overall health, your brain's going to be healthier overall, and it's going to be more rested and more available. And the less stress and the more alert that our you know brains can be the better we can be at making choices and making good choices that's wonderful thank you for the very insightful information and thank you for joining us today Kate. thanks for having me alondra chad is the nation's leading nonprofit organization serving people affected by adhd as home to the national resource center on adhd funded by the u.s cdc Chad offers comprehensive programs and services at both the national and local levels. To learn more, visit chad.org. Thank you for listening to another episode of the All Things ADHD podcast from Chad's National Resource Center on ADHD.